Welcome to this episode of that Florida podcast and I have a really fantastic interview lined up for you today so without further ado let's get on and meet the guest and the guest is theme park Baza. please Baza, explain to me why you're theme park Baza. oh well thank you and thank you for uh, having me here today to chat so i'm theme park Baza. um real name is uh, barry link and i live here with maxine in orlando florida and about 20 months ago we started up a youtube channel and the name I happened to pick then was Theme Park Baza. And, uh, and now, of course, we have uh, evolved to have Mrs. Baza as well on, on, the, on the vlogs, which I think she's the real star of the show. So, yeah, we, we live in Orlando, Florida, and our vlogs are typically ar- around our life as a Brit living here. Barry has a little bit of a different accent to what you'd expect from my interviewees from Florida. But, yeah, you're a Brit. So where are you from in the UK originally, Barry? I was originally born in Morecambe, and my wife was born in Skipton, but we spent a majority in our life in a very small town called Barnoldswick in Lancashire, which is on the Yorkshire-Lancashire border. And uh, somehow, because I was crusty and old when I moved here, I kept the accent. Uh, I think I picked up a few American words and Americanisms, which I get picked on when I do use them. That, that's a little bit of our history. I asked Bazar on because uh, we've got quite a, a funny little story. Go through that, how we met. Yeah, it was um, Epcot, I believe, in a shop in Epcot. I was there with some other friends and we were shopping and walking through the shop. And this English voice shouts out from the distance, Baza, Baza. And I look around and, you know, when when somebody knows you, knows you enough to call you, I might have been Barry to call, not Barry or Baza. And I turned around and I looked at the sea of faces and I didn't recognize any of them. And then this young gentleman with a beard, was waving his arm saying, Baza, Baza. And uh, that was our, our first meeting. Yeah, it you was. sent to me with a gift as well, didn't you? Yeah, it was in, um, it was in the shop in the UK pavilion because I bought a Rose and Crown shirt with uh, Pull a Proper Point on because the Amer- <laughs> my American friends have picked up on me. They're not proper. Yeah. yeah. And they've really, right. they picked up on that and they teased me a lot about it. So, yeah, that's, that's how come I was in there buying a, a shirt and uh, I, my wife saw you and she said that's buzzer over there isn't it and I looked across and of course there you were and I'm, I'm easily excited I'm like a little puppy anyway <laughs> so <laughs> so I did call over to you so I embarrassed you so I apologize for that but I uh, I gifted you some roses chocolates because we just had a big meetup because it was actually yep. that was my yeah. my birthday as well so yeah, I, yeah. I was allowed to be overexcited I was 55 you know and uh, I got a whole tub that I hadn't got out of my bag so I offloaded that on Baza and then the next video I get he's on a diet so I don't think I helped you much there <laughs> my friend well you did actually make it into the vlog as well yes yeah we did, did a little film you in the vlog yeah yeah, yeah great this is how good a podcaster I am do two podcasts and I didn't plug one of them <laughs> no no you didn't but I did 
I yeah. believe I put a link in the vlog as well. Yeah, you did. You did, my friend. Thanks very much for that. Okay, so we're going to get into this interview because Baz has got a really interesting history with the United States. And I want to get into why you went over there, how you went over there, and, and things like that, which I think would be of interest to certainly um, my colleague here on that Florida podcast and a lot of our Brits because some of us have got the dream of moving to Florida, but we realise it won't be a reality, unfortunately. I am a DVC member, so I own a tiny bit of Florida. <laughs> Let's start then. Okay. When did you move to the States? Because I, I know it's a little while ago now, and I know it wasn't Florida originally. Yeah, it was um, November 2005. So, yeah, we're into 17 years come this November that we actually moved here, and we originally relocated to Charlottesville in Virginia, which is halfway up on the right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'd have to look on a map, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. But you relocated there with work? Be brief, but the reason we ended up coming here was back in the 90s when you were still at school. Um, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> yeah. I, my company I worked for got acquired by an American company called Rockwell. And the first time I'd been working for an American company, headquarters was in Milton Keynes for us, but it was American owned. And through that, I got a couple of trips to the US in the late 90s. And I got very excited. I mean, it was like, oh, this is real. They have school buses. Oh, the policemen carry guns. Oh, it was like, you know, never been here before. Everything you saw in the movies was kind of larger than life. And I thought, hmm, I could, I could live here. And Max and I talked about it, but our kids were only, um, that time they'd be like three and one. So it was t they were too young. So what we did instead was in the early 2000s, we start coming here for holidays. So every year from 2000, we took a holiday in Disney, East Coast, West Coast, um, Orlando, typically. Long story short, I went through a couple of other companies, all American owned. And that was the trick, having companies that were um, had headquarters in the US. And in 2005, a job came up here in the US as a transfer, as an internal transfer. By that time, I was working for a company called General Electric. Um, again, they had a branch in the UK. Everyone seems to be in Milton Keynes, every company I've worked for. But uh, yeah, it's the centre of the universe. So, uh, yeah, and applied for that. They flew me over, flew us over here. Uh, we had two options to move to, uh, to near Boston or Virginia, which is where the offices were, where the position was available. And we ended up settling on Charlottesville because it was a little bit cheaper. And we thought it was a more of a family-friendly place to bring kids up. It was more rural than the big city. So that's, we agreed in, in May, 2005, in November, we sold, well, back then in the day, I had a mortgage with the Woolwich, if you remember the Woolwich, and um, they gave you a, a, a payment holiday. You could take a year and not pay your mortgage and freeze it. So we only came for a year and we said, you know what? We're gonna go for a year. We're not gonna sell the house. We're gonna move somewhere and try it. And if we don't like it, we can always come back. Yeah, yeah, and the mortgage payment came up. We uh, we flogged the house, but it was like, you know, it's a risk. It's a risk you have to balance, but it was unknown. But if I think we just said, I think it's for anybody. I would say, um, don't ever give up on your dreams because go try it. You don't know what's the worst that can happen. We don't like it, and we have to go back. And yeah, I'd have to get another job, but I felt comfortable I could do that. And um, we still had a house. So, you know, it's, it's risk, weighing the risks up for coming over. Yeah, I think so, because there's a lot more into living in America. And actually, while we talk about that, I think you should go see Baz has uh, done a really good video on 
the costing and living in Florida. And it surprised me. Unfortunately, it surprised me the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, we try and keep it honest. I mean, it's a dream for everybody to move here, but we just want to be honest and let people know the positives and the negatives for coming here. I wouldn't say don't don't give up on your dreams, but you also need to be pragmatic in some of these things of what is what is real and what is fantasy. And there is a cost to living here. Yeah, it's but it's very interesting, really good and informative video. So yeah, go and check that out. I'll get a link from Bazaar here or Barry, and we'll uh, put that in the show notes. Interest me greatly. I did a similar thing, funnily enough. I sold up property and moved down to Yarla White. A rental property as well so we owned a couple of properties up in oxford sold up and bought a couple down here on the island and that's how we sort of moved down but we moved down with work but back in the 90s my company owned a company called shores who were in canada and the us mm-hmm. and I, I i do remember at the time a few of us looked at maybe transferring into management positions over in in canada at first because they, they didn't yeah. own many stores in in the us I know a few people did did do that, but we sold shores in the late 90s, I think. Yeah, and I think that's the trick. People say, "How do you? what's the best way to come over here? You've only really got a couple of options. And one is you, you're uber rich and you can buy a house and you can just live in retirement. Second one is you get a business over here on a visa and have to hire local employees. So you can set up your own business. The third one I did, which I always say to people, is try and get yourself working for an American company because they took all the pain out of it. I had to come over on a visa for three years, a working visa, and Maxine needed one. And then they paid for us to get our green cards and get our green cards, which we eventually, we paid then and became citizens. There's a lot of paperwork, a lot lot of legalese, a lot of money involved. So the best way if you can swing it is to try and do that cross internal job um, transfer, because that takes a lot of it, a lot of that pain away. Yeah, I think that's, I think most people know those are the options, but yeah, it's uh, not an easy task, but it's doable. It is. And we're here to say, I mean, I say don't give up on your dreams. And our goal was to be in Florida at some point, but stepping stones, you know, we got, we got over here and Virginia was our landing point because that's where the job was. So the trick, the big thing is getting in the country. Once you're in the country and once you've got a green card, so you can go work anywhere, then you have the freedom to move. And do what you want. Even when you're on a work visa, you're kind of tied for the first couple of years that if you lose that job, you have to go back to the UK. So the trick is target the green card. As soon as you get that, you're free to work anywhere in the US. Yeah. And it's not like Europe where in theory, in theory, when we were in Europe, you could work anywhere in Europe. But it didn't really work out that way. As my buddy found out when he uh, bought a place in France and no one would hire him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that was part of one of the reasons we came over here back in the early 2000s. We were looking at the kids and their future and what did they, it wasn't just for us. It's like, what's going to give you, with your kids, you just want the best start in life for them. You just want to give them the best opportunities. And we kind of worked out that if we get over here and we did get to the point we got citizenship, when you're a UK citizen, you can keep that as well. So we're yeah. dual citizens. I'm like Jason Bourne. I've got like two passports. You know, I can walk into the UK. Yeah, just like the, Jason in, Bourne. The, in the, in the residence and say hello and then i can come back to the us and go you know g'day and that's australian isn't it yeah. come in and say y'all y'all and come into the uh, us but the trick was for them was to give them the and now they both have dual citizenship unfortunately the uk came out of the eu well that was a decision that was taken so they can't go and work in europe anymore but our son or daughter could get on a plane come to the uk and get a job over there yeah um if they wanted to 
it never quite worked with 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 Europe. As I said, you know, I think yeah. it it wasn't quite as quite as equal as it is in the US. Yeah. Okay, so you're over there. You've you've managed to uh, get your citizenship and your green card. What was the move to Florida like? Now I followed this move on on YouTube, so I I know the ins and outs of it pretty good. But uh, you moved about what two uh, years 20, ago or something like that? Yeah, just just before the pandemic. Hit. Yeah, great timing. Brilliant. Uh, a timing. month before the parks closed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we um we were coming. You know, we didn't initially. We moved to the US, as I say, step one, and then we were coming down to Florida three or four times a year. And it wasn't too bad from Virginia. It's only a two-hour flight. It was a couple of hundred bucks each to fly. So we could go for a weekend, which was great. You could fly down to Disney or Universal on a Friday, go in the parks at the weekend, fly back late Sunday. But then we started saying, hang on, we're spending all this money. Is this somewhere that we really you know, would like to go and live? The big thing that was worrying us was the climate. Virginia has a, a climate very similar to the UK in it has seasons, but I have to say in the summer Virginia is actually hotter than Florida humid hot terrible for like six weeks unfortunately in Florida it's like seven months yeah. not six weeks so can we stick it out so what we did we first said just like when we came to the U.S. I don't know if I mentioned that but we rented for a year because we weren't sure if we were staying we said why don't we go rent for a year in Florida and see what it's like see if we can you know live that so what we did was then we um we came down here for a month in an Airbnb and we scouted around for a rental property, found one. Luckily, we found one. And we um, in to start in February 2020. And we sort of saved up our money to be able to afford to live here rent, and pay. You know, we still had a mortgage in Virginia, but we had enough money aside to, to budget for that because you don't know what it's like. You don't know where somewhere is, what it's like to live, not just the climate, but what areas. Orlando, people, I get messages, you know, where should I go live in Orlando? It's like, well, a lot of choices, as you know, with your podcast, all the different places you can go, price points, communities. It's a huge city. So we did that. We rented for a year and then we decided we got through our first summer. Yay, we survived. We made little stickers. We survived a Florida summer living here. We then decided we were going to buy. We went back up to Virginia after the year, updated the house you know, got it ready to sell, sold it in the August, came back down here and um, we bought a house around November, around November, December 20, what was that? Well, that'd be 2020. Oh, we've been just over a year now. So it'd be uh, 21, wouldn't it? When we yeah. came? No, no, I'm the 2020 going into 21. Yeah. So it was uh, January 21st, January 2021 when we bought this house. You're there now, but you also, you've sort of downsized, haven't you, from the, from the property you had before? Well, yeah, we were in a four-bedroom detached house in Virginia, and we said we're going to downsize. There's only two of us now. The kids have grown up and left. We don't need that. Oh, the dream. The dream. The dream, yeah. (laughs) So we ended up with a four-bedroom detached house in Orlando. (laughs) We didn't downsize on the house. And the reason for that is the price difference between a two-bedroom and a four-bedroom was something like $30,000. It wasn't that much saving. You'd be surprised for a a condo for that year when we rented to say, could we live in a condo? Is this something we could do? Because in Virginia, to your point, downsizing was we were on three acres of land. We had a swimming pool. It was like very rural. It was, it was living the dream. You know, if I'm going to go to America, I'm going to get a pool. I'm going to buy a truck. I'm going to live the dream. So we were doing, we were doing all that in Virginia. And um, we decided we didn't want to maintain that. But you couldn't get that sort of land down here. 
in Florida either. Then um, we, we went into a condo and honestly, after being remote with three acres of land, having kids screaming and banging on the walls and shouting in condos and, yeah. you know, it was like we decided after the, that, that was a test as well. It's one of the tests we did. We decided, nope, we can't do a condo. We're so used to peace and quiet. We can't do that. So that's one of the reasons we started looking for a detached house. And to get to my point, that's the reason the price is then. There was only about $30,000 between a two, three bedrooms, right? The smallest detached you could really get. That and a four bedroom. We said, okay, for resale value, when we sell it down the road, we'll get more money for it. Um, if family come and stay, we have more space. So we did downsize on the land and the pool, but we didn't actually downsize much on the property itself. And that was just a financial decision because the, there was no financial gain in doing that. Well, I've, I've watched the videos and I've seen you decorating and, and sorting it all out and the, the wiring issues you've had and things like that. It's, that looks like fun. I'm in a 1904 house here so i've i've been there yeah <laughs> when yeah. we bought this it was it was an absolute shell and it's uh it's been trying my my patience for the last 18 years yeah we don't film all the rooms now but so this is about 2800 square feet and the one in virginia was 3300 but we had a basement you don't get basements in florida's because they become swimming pools yeah i was gonna say that, yeah <laughs> this house different because uh you got to get used to if you're going to move to a city like Orlando you can't have that space you are going to be next to your neighbors yeah that's another thing you got to accept it's going to be noisy it's going to be noisier but you are living in a city we're not living rural area but the, the flip side is where we were it was 25 minutes drive to the nearest supermarket here I can walk in 10 minutes so it swings and roundabouts depending where you want to be yeah it's nice to have that location where you're not having to pay four dollars a gallon just to go and get your groceries well, actually, we laid criteria out for the house and a property. We like a checklist of what do you want, what do you, what do you not want? And pool was like option. And it changed. We viewed about 40 houses here. Our estate agent was getting a bit fed up with us. But as we saw different houses, it changed our priorities. But I'd always say this for people, put a list of want, don't want. Be prepared to be flexible. But we checked the boxes and there were things like some things we would not give up on. Like we're not going to go on the I-4. To get to any park, we will not go on the I-4. So there's things like that. But um, some of the other things we wanted, and you'd laugh, one of mine was walking distance to a bar because you've watched our vlogs, you know what I'm like. And so it was <laughs> yeah, like, was... Uh, yeah, you know, it was like, that was on my checklist. And actually we did end up in a place where we can walk to three bars and a supermarket and a coffee shop. So we wanted a little bit of that urban, we can get there. Of course, it's like in summer, it's Venus temperatures out there at 100 degrees, so we still drive. But in the winter, it's nice to go and be able to walk to those places and have some flexibility. And again, if you are looking at coming to Orlando, I think that's why you need to rent and get your feet on the ground. And when we saw this house, me being a cheeky northerner, I just went to a neighbor's and knocked on the door and said, what's it like to live here? You know, that's... go speak to the locals. Don't listen to the estate agents because they're no. selling. So go speak to a local. What's it like to live here? And what are the neighbors like? And what are the pros? What are the cons? You'll get an honest answer from a neighbor. You just got to have the, the, the cheek to go and knock on somebody's door and ask. Funny you should say that, Barry, because just before we came on, I did a strim in my hedge in the back garden here, and one of my neighbours came round, and he was a, I did exactly that. We, we, we viewed the property. We came back that same evening, and he went over and said to him, you know, what's it like? So I did exactly yeah. what you said. And it is, you have, 
it's no good. You can't listen to people selling you something. They're, they're the wrong people to listen to, I'm afraid. And that's that's the same here in the UK as it, I'm assuming it is in the US. Yep. Yeah, you, you just got to be, you know, that's the best way. Get out of your car, walk around. And the other thing that's interesting about Orlando, if you're looking for a house, is the biggest problem wasn't the heat or wasn't typically the neighborhoods. It was airplanes. MCO is in the middle of the city. And we go look at houses. We ended to the point before we'd even go in a house, we parked the car outside, put the windows down and listened to planes. Because a lot of houses we saw, there was wheels down on the planes coming into MCO. Because we wanted to be close to Disney and, and Universal during the sound. And that's the biggest tip for anybody is, is do that. We found a house. It was beautiful. It had a pool. It was on a lake. Perfect layout. I was ready to write the check. We went into the bedroom upstairs and looked around. And I heard this noise and I looked out. And we were directly in the runway of Orlando Municipal Airport, the smaller one. So I had planes coming directly over the house, propeller planes. Yeah. And so I, I went online and it said, yeah, the airport's open 7 a.m. And it's like, do I really want to be woken up every morning at 7 a.m. by planes? And we went back three times to that property and sat outside and listened. And it was like, it was so frustrating because it was perfect. It was moving ready. No renovations like I'm doing here. But that's golden rule, tip. Barry. The golden rule. Yeah. Location, location, location. We ended up somewhere in a better location. But I would say to folks, if they are looking at Orlando, think about pulling up and listening because there's certain sweet spots where you're parallel with the airport and you don't hear anything. And literally we've seen houses we would have paid writing a check, written it to we so would have written a check for, but the other one I could even wave at the pilots. It was that close. You could wave at the pilots coming in and it was right when they were landing. This is it. It's quiet. But yeah. They also take off. Yeah. On that <laughs> and that's when you're going to get the noise of the engines. Yeah. So that's my top, another top tip is talk to neighbors and, um, just if you, especially Orlando, just uh, listen, sit outside and listen and see what you can hear. And go back in the evening was always some I advised people. Yeah, because they always take the quiet time in the day when families are at school and uh, people wandering back from the bars. Yeah, that's usually me. Yeah. <laughs> Don't leave here. Move <laughs> away. Yeah, that, that was something I did when I moved here. What I didn't realise was I've moved 300 metres away from the main stage of the Isle of Wight Festival. So last year was recording a episode when Oasis was on, on the main stage, or not Oasis, but one of the brothers was on the main stage. And I could hear him from what, where I'm sat now with my headphones on. I could hear him singing. You should have put the microphone out the window and got a free live stream. Well, I, I, I get free tickets anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. Because you're that close, yeah. yeah I'm that yeah, close. We, yeah, we have a church across from us and sometimes you know, across from us. So we, we saw two near schools. And the, as you say, the trick there is go back when it's school morning and afternoon when the schools are going in and out because then you find out what the traffic's like the schools it's going to be traffic and noise but it's just be sensible don't make a rash decision it's a lot of money you're going to spend i know there's pressure like you've got to buy because it's going to be sold but you don't want to make the wrong decision you're better to walk away something else will come up eventually and we almost rented for a second year because we couldn't find the one we wanted we were about to sign for another year to rent and then our estate agent found this one area we weren't even looking for. We came up and it was like, yep, we'll have this one. But it was never on our radar where we ended up. Yeah, so keep an open mind. I think that's another key. The yeah. other issue that I know a lot of people... House HRA. Owners Association, yeah. Yeah. Are you yeah. in the house? I don't think you are, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I, I listen to to podcasts and that they talk about them. And we we don't we just don't have that in the UK really of any sort and it's it can be as little as 
50 100 dollars a quarter it can be several hundred dollars a month can't it Depending. yeah i mean hr is a typical over here and the idea of a hr just so people know is to kind of keep the neighborhood to a certain standard so they want all the houses to look uniform they want things so clean and neat house prices keep the price up with a president and you know they take money from your hours is about 150 dollars a quarter which isn't a lot because this this established this state i'm on was established in 2006 and you'll find um the older ones are a bit cheaper the ones that are most ex and let me explain what it covers what a hoa covers for us is we have a pool complex so you can go swim so they maintain the pool there isn't a gym here well of course i would be there every day with my physique but most <laughs> most have a gym uh there was one in the rental we never used it once so you know but they have a gym and then they also take care typically of your lawns well they take care of the of the shared spaces for lawns in our case here my grass out front and back it's mine to look after so each grass or whatever but the shared areas the big trees outside the pavings every year they come in um they come and they clean all the patios clean all the you know do a jet wash uh, they just relay the concrete on our patio because it had cracked so they're basically looking after the maintenance of the areas where it really gets expensive is if you're in a, um, a posh area or if you are in a condo posh areas i was watching one yesterday on a housing one in celebration and i think the hoa of the shared areas this was an eight hundred and forty thousand dollar house four bedroom house same size as ours in celebration it was um it was something like 250 dollars a month for the common area hoa and another $300 a month for your the one covered your fine for your community and your dog park for your community. So you're paying $500 a month. Airbnb we stayed in for a month, and this is where it does get expensive. You're going to really excuse it because you look at a condo and think it's cheap. But a condo, you're also paying for the upkeep of all the other houses, all the other condos, the ceiling, the roof of the building, the walls of the building, the elevators of the building, the swimming pools, the facilities. And I think where we stayed in that Airbnb, it was something like seven or eight hundred dollars a month yeah. as a as a as a fee. So you've got to factor that in when you look at a house. As you are quite correct, two you look at the how much is the property price, how much are the property taxes, and how much is the HOA. They're the three things that have. So your property taxes that's sort of equivalent to what we would call over a council tax, and let's not get into mm. let's not get the, into the, yeah, the politics. politics of that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, ours are about, um, I'm trying to think what ours are on this. Ours are about $3,000 a year. It was cheaper in Virginia. It was 2000 a year. Things are a little more expensive here because you get bad weather. So your house insurance will typically be 30% more expensive. And your property taxes will typically be 30% more expensive. Roofs, you know, hurricanes, rain, sun damage. Roofs don't last as long here. Uh, so prices are much. You've got to expect the 30% hike. And we also pay for things like sinkhole insurance as well might not need it but i don't want to wake up and found you're you know, not there anymore the garage is in a hole and then i've got no money to cover it because you know the, the water table is so high here in florida we joked about the basement but literally you dig a foot down you're into water sinkholes are known to happen when a stream of water um erodes the soil those are two things to be careful of. yeah i've seen some horrific pictures of, of houses literally dropping into the holes and I was freaking out. I sat next to a guy on, on a flight back to Orlando. I'm like, I'm really worried about this sinkhole thing. You know, it's dangerous and all this stuff. He just looked at me and said, buy insurance. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, it was it was an extra 150 bucks on the insurance. Like, okay. You know, it's like, okay, done. I was like, 
trying to get really dramatic about it. It's just like, yeah, just pay the insurance. We all do. Yeah, it's another thing you have to factor in, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, a hurricane can come through Orlando as well, and they have mm-hmm. been in the past, and that can do devastating damage. But... Yep. It's just, yeah, that's why the house price is a little bit more, but most houses here are built to be more robust. Hurricane, you know, they have different um, rules. In fact, you'll notice, if, and this is one for you to check out, you'll notice if the hotel or the house you're buying has hit the um, the new rules from 2010 because your front door will open outwards or your hotel room will open into the corridor. And the reason for that is when I asked is that was to do as an aggression. If there's ever a, if there's ever a hurricane in the house, you have to be able to get out. So the doors always open. Sort of new builds from 2015, you'll find your front door actually opens outwards, which is weird. <laughs> Not used to that at all. But that's part of the hurricane things that they do here when they're building houses now. And the glass has to be hurricane, um, not proof, but hurricane resistant glass as well in the windows. Yeah, so it's toughened or laminated or something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. But we do a similar thing here where I live within 300 metres of a water source, which is basically the inlet for the island. And obviously, I'm at flood risk. Now, if my house is going to get flooded, there's a lot more of the town underneath water because of zip code. Zip code, yeah. yeah. falls in that. My insurance is, again, around £150 more than it would be if I was another yeah. 300 metres the other way. So, yeah, you have got to know all about these ins and outs when you're buying the property because it, in the end of the day, you're going to be footing that bill. So you need to do your research into that sort of thing. And I'd say the biggest thing, though, from coming from the UK... If you look at all that, you know, house insurance, car insurance, the biggest thing is, is health insurance. Health yeah. insurance over here is the biggest deal with coming over because, you know, we're used to the National Health Service in the UK. Over here, it's all private. So you have to be budgeting it. And you saw that in my spreadsheet when I did those living costs. You have to budget in like 500 um, because um, maybe, uh, yeah, it might be a lot less than that, but, it, you know, you buy a policy, but... If you have, I was saying today, somebody was uh, joking on a, on Twitter about something, and I did remind them it's like a thousand dollars to have a tooth out. Uh, if you're going to a doctor's, just to, I was going to have a, a virtual Zoom call with the doctor, hundred and forty dollars, just to have a call. So they do take your credit card, and insurance does cover some of that. But that's why it's good to work for a big American company because you get better insurance coverage than others. But you got to factor in, especially as you get older and you're not working anymore, there are private policies you can buy. And actually, it's a, it's a fallacy that there's no insurance over here. There's something called Medicare yeah. in the US. Kicks in when you're 65. Doesn't cover everything, but Medicare covers a lot of it if you've been paying in your Social Security for X amount of credits. Like in the UK, you pay credits in. Or yeah. You've got to work for so many years. It does cover a lot of it, but yeah, an ambulance comes around. Honestly, an ambulance comes to the house. They swipe your credit card before they put you in it. So I'm serious about that. That's just, it's all, um, I once went into ER just for some check many years ago. And I think I ended up with like 20 or 30 different bills came through the post. One for, one for the person who checked me in, one for the person who put me in the wheelchair, one for the triage nurse, one for the doctor, one for the one who took bloods, one for the person who drove me, who carried me down to the x-ray. One for the ex. Literally, I ended up with 40 different, uh, 30 bills from 30 different departments. And my two-hour stint there was something like $1,000. And that was hmm, 15 or 10 years ago. So I don't know what it would be now. But you do have to have a cash or you do have to have a plan. 
and how you're going to manage that, typically through buying a policy till you're 65. Then Medicare, there's something called Medicare Part B that kicks in where you can pay in a supplement and it will cover your prescriptions as well. So Medicare doesn't cover your prescriptions. And I know in the UK now, you, a lot of people have to pay for prescriptions. That is a, uh, a mute yeah. point for a sickly yeah. old man like me. Yeah. So, but yeah, but if you come into the US, I would say the biggest change, apart from different culture and, and different people and, and food that's three times the size you can eat on a plate, you know, from it's, it's the medical stuff. That is the, that's the big, um, big shocker when you first come over here. Yeah. Med, medical. I mean, I'm very lucky in that my, my company, I've got some booper cover. So it, I've had a few injuries in the past that I've gone private with, like uh, I broke my femur and that, yeah. and that would have been a bit of a longer wait and longer stressful rehab. Had I had not about had that cover through work, yeah. which uh, is covered by booper. But yeah, so we are, we don't realise what we've got in the UK with the NHS. And I think this great unpleasantness or the COVID has, has taught us a lesson that we've been very lucky because yeah. the whole of that's been handled by the NHS. Yeah, well, the thing is as well over here, um, the flip side is if you want treatment, you can have it like that because yeah. it's all private. If you have a problem, they'll have you in within days. Um, so they have all the latest machinery. They have all the high-tech stuff, but you pay for it. Uh, I know Maxine, she had to go for a, a scan on her knee, one of those um, MRI, MRI, MRI scans yeah. on her knee. Insurance, we ended up paying a thousand of that. The insurance covered the rest. But it's, it's just those things. Uh, now, most the other good thing is most medical plans cover you free for wellness. So you can go have your blood test, your doctor checkup, um, your uh, colonoscopy, whatever you need doing. And if it's tagged as your annual physical, insurance covers 100% of that. So it's more that when things go wrong that you have to pay for. But it's just, you know, it's a plan. When If you're looking at coming over here, I still, you know, people ask me, would I ever go back to the UK? Answer's no. I, I like it here. I love the weather. I love the people. I love the, the lifestyle here. But you, it swings and roundabouts. Nothing's ever perfect in life. And you just have to, you know, factor things in and say, you know, does it make sense for me with who I am and what I need? Is, is this, does this make sense for me or not? Is this something we want to do or not? And again, I always say it's not forever. You know, it's like um, you can always, if, you, if you're coming over here, you've always got opportunity to go back as long as you don't do. The other thing I said is don't try and come over here and buy something in Texas because you'll end up with a ranch with seven acres and decide, oh, I want to go back to England and find you can't get back into the housing market again because it's not like for like. So yeah. you know, if you ever do want to come and try it, you kind of have to be sensible and say, like we were in Virginia, if we bought a house, it was roughly the same price as the north of England. So I knew you could sell it and I could go back. So you always, always have a plan B. I never always pull the trigger on it, but yeah. I always have a plan B, you know, just in case. And I would always say that to people, follow your heart, try it, but always, you know, be sensible about it and have, a, have some kind of plan in case things go wrong. Yeah, it's interesting to speak to somebody, a Brit that's done it. I've spoken to Jeff, friend of mine. I interviewed him a week or two ago and he moved down from new york just because family had moved down to florida originally and he met his wife and he settled down in florida so that was quite interesting but having you on as a brit is really useful for but british people that are listening to the podcast and wondering about moving what i'm really targeting next is somebody that owns a property in the us or in florida hopefully 
that rents it as a villa but still lives in the UK. That's something I want to get into yeah. and, and find out the ins and the outs of that because I think there's quite a lot there. So we're going to try and find somebody and get them on for that. Yeah, I might yeah. have somebody to help you with that. There's somebody um, we met through YouTube. They actually have a villa here. So I might be able to help with that. We have some friends here in the UK. We met through YouTube. So some friends here from the YouTube from the UK who own a villa yeah. and they rent it out for 11 months a year and then they come back at Christmas and they use it themselves. So they, you know, I can hook you up if you're interested in that. Definitely. They, um, they, they live that life and, um, and know all the ins and outs. And they've owned it for like um, 10 years. It's not right. like a short term thing to go buy some property here when the housing market <sighs> crashed. Do you know what, Barry? It was funny you say that, but my wife and I, we own um, a couple of properties over here and we own them outright. We have got, we've got no mortgage. I don't pay anybody anything. Okay. I don't, I don't have a car loan or anything. I own my DVC. I bought outright. I don't have anything outstanding. So I'm in a position where I could sell a property over here and buy a property over there, an investment opportunity in, in the UK. And we were on holiday in 2009 and we were about to pull the trigger on what we were going to do over here. And of course, that's where we started from. We bought in, in, in the late 80s, lost an absolute bucket load of money and ended yeah. up having to rent that property out by another property. So in actual fact, that's why I'm, I, I ended up on the property ladder with two properties, get two mortgages and rent one out, live in one. And then we went on from that. We, um, and that's how we've got to where we are now. So in 2009, we were in the US and we was looking at properties and they were going for absolute yep. peanuts compared to what yep. they are, where they are now. I think in actual fact, you could have bought a property in the US, left it and not yep. done anything with it, sold yep. it probably. You're right. You're right. Yeah. There's oh. a few, we have some people across the road from us. They, they only, they're from England. They only come for one or two months at a time, but they don't rent it out because you can't rent in this community. So again, it's when you get these people on and talk about rentals, you have that whole discussion of communities that are short term, long term. Yeah. You know, can you can you rent for days? And I'll I'll leave that for you with the podcast. What's interesting is that may be a way for Brits to get over here, doing that of renting a having a property, renting a property. It also gains you um, some credit history here in the US. And I think this other couple, their goal is to actually move over here later on and move into that property but for the last 10 years they've been kind of renting it and renting just cover the costs of the mortgage and all the things you have to do um so it's a, it's a very you know if, if to me that is a a way to look at getting over here if the job thing doesn't work because if that's a plan as you come into retirement to me that's fiscally viable and the way house prices are going you you won't have lost money on it i know this house we're in now his price has gone up 30% in the last year. It's gone crazy at the moment. But interestingly enough, it's only just passed the price it was sold for in 2006. Because 2006 was a peak. And all yeah. the houses here were going for silly money. It crashed in 2008. And it's only been in the last three months. It achieved its sale price. Yeah, I don't think you'll lose money on property as long as you send. Well, you can do, you know, circumstances in the 80s with the interest rates and everything that went on. It's crazy. But um, it may be a way of uh, getting into living over here. Yeah, I I looked at it in in the sort of early nineties when we we were down. I mean, we were in a hole for like, I know it doesn't sound a lot of money now, twenty thousand pounds, what th less than thirty thousand dollars, but it was a sixty thousand pound house at the time, and we'd yeah. lost twenty grand, and we you couldn't get rid of them. 
Yeah. And pe- yeah. my friends were taking the, the negative equity into their next property. Yeah, rolling my, it over. Yeah. My neighbours were doing that. And my neighbours, now I'm still friends with them now, and they're living in a house at two, three moves down, and they've still got a mortgage. They're still carrying that debt with them. Although they're yeah. paying that mortgage off, obviously, but yeah. they've still got, I don't know, X amount of years. I was 37 years old when I paid off my mortgage. Well, that's great. Right? When we moved down here and we, we sold up, we managed to get in on the island before the big boom came to the island and, and the house prices went up. So we ended up here without a mortgage. I managed to come down, like you're saying, with work. Yeah. I managed to do that and still managed to retain a property to live in and then a property to rent out. So that's that's where I was at yeah. in 2009. And I was thinking, you know, do you buy something? Got it. Uh, a tenant that's causing me problems. Yeah. I've got problems with a property. I can go round there. I'm a little bit handy. A couple of weeks ago, we had some fencing down. Couldn't get anybody to put fencing up because everyone else had got fenced down. Yeah, so yeah, I went yeah, round there yeah. and did it myself. Yeah. If it was in Whereas Florida, here, you'd need an agency. <laughs> yeah, but you need you need like a an agency to manage it over here. But then again, they're geared up for that because you're typically yeah. buying in a in a rental community and they will offer those things. But yeah. That's the other thing. If you're not going to be local like you are, you can't go keep an eye on it. You don't know if your tenants are good or bad. There is a risk. But um, but yeah, yeah, certainly someone renting short short term, I'd be very interested in seeing yeah. how they manage that. So if, if you have got any any um, Yeah, I'll send you the link. Really really I did actually pay my mortgage off for two years ago when I moved here. So I was like, you know, 42 when I, when I paid mine off. Oh, Me, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, Barry. You were, yeah, you and Maxine were um, child bride. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That yeah. Was it. <laughs> right. Thank you very much, Barry. We're winding up now because I don't want to hold up too much of your time. And I've said to the uh, to Barry and uh, my listeners know I'm the terriblest waffler in the world. So the poor bloke's going to have to listen to me for 15 more minutes before he can get <laughs> off of this call when I'm ending this show. Thanks for listening to the show today. If you could leave us a review on your podcasting app of choice, that would be much appreciated. Like and subscribe and share it with your friends. And why not, while you're there, subscribe to Brit's Guide to Disney Vacation Club. Go and give us a listen on our sister podcast. All contact details are in the show notes, so we will speak to you on the next show. The audio for this show has been recorded, edited and produced by Arla White Audio Productions. Hi again, David here. I wanted to tell you a little bit more about the ways that I can help you plan the best holiday ever. I own Disney for Brits, which is www.disney, the number four Brits, Com. If you go onto that website, you'll see a number of things. We've got a shop where we're selling lots and lots of products, including my Disney Florida travel planning book, my magical Disney planner. There's also a number of other items that you can buy because I know lots of people that go to Florida love things from there and I bring them back and sell them. Also on there, you'll get access to my YouTube channel, which again is called Disney for Brits. And if you go on there, there's lots and lots of helpful advice and ideas on how to maximize your time, how things in America are different to they are in the UK and how you can just have a great holiday. I don't do news. I just do hints and tips and ideas. The final part on there is my travel agency, D4B Travel. D4B Travel specializes in Disney and Universal 
and Florida holidays. And you can contact me for anything to help you make your travel better. Alongside those, I also do cruises and can do pretty much everything you need for an amazing couples or family holiday, whether you're at the value end or at the deluxe end of the spectrum. Get in touch with me at david at disneyforbrits.com and I'll help you with anything you need with any of those items. If you want some advice and some guidance and you want to book your own holiday, by all means, go and do that. If you want to work with a qualified and proven travel agent that just doesn't know Disney, but pretty much is Disney, then I'm the person to help you. So go to www.disneyforbrits.com and see everything I offer. One final new item, I've just opened a shop on Facebook called My Florida Shopper. So search My Florida Shopper on Facebook and buy all the products and quality things you miss from Orlando and America at the very best prices. 